This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hmm? Ah! You have no idea how happy I am to see you unharmed. Unharmed? What are you doing here? I rode north for the Knights of the Vale to come to your aid. They're encamped at Moat Caelan as we speak. To come to my aid. Did you know about Ramsay? If you didn't know, you're an idiot. If you did know, you're my enemy. Hey, Throners. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Mr. Blog. And I'm Rem. And this is Game of Microphones, episode 20. I am joined this week with Rem from the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. Rem, how the hell you doing? Doing good, Mr. Blog, man. I'm just so chomping at the bit to talk about this one. Oh, Thank my you God. for having me on. Really, really appreciate it. What an episode to come on to. Oh, Seriously. <laughs> you picked a I think doozy, I need some therapy. Man. Everybody needs some therapy after this one. I mean, this, this is this episode where... How I mean, really, how many people are going to be curling up into little balls on the floor the next time somebody <laughs> says, hey, could you hold the door for me? Can you hold the door um, for me? <gasps> I'm afraid. You know, and it's funny, even at the beginning, the, the little clip that we play at the very beginning of the show, I, I almost chose the hold the door thing of, oh. of, of Hodor saying that over and over and over again until we finally said Hodor. And I thought, I can't do that. I can't do that to our listeners. Because it, it brings just up all that hurts. emotion right away. It just away. hurts too much. It, it hurts was so way emotional. Too much. And it seems like the last few episodes, the, the emotional element, I, I think we're going to see, we're seeing so much payoff now with the characters. Oh, you know? yes. They spent time taking all these loving, caring steps and building these characters, putting these chess pieces into place. Now they're paying off. And it's they just really a delight are. to watch. They really are. And I'm glad you used the the, the chess an, uh, analogy because I've certainly used that a lot over the, the course of the season and even last, where this game, this game, excuse me, this show is masterful in the way that it sets up these pieces over, over time. 
And like you just said, you know, I always kind of liken it more every season that they set up these these chess pieces. But now you're beginning to see that, oh, my goodness, they've been setting up these pieces from the very beginning. And you know, when you look at when you look at two something where we see uh, the reveal that uh, it was uh, it was Baelish behind the poisoning of John Aaron, we yes. see this what in the fourth fifth season, and we think, my God, this guy's been doing this since the very beginning. Yeah. It's funny, and I was even thinking Littlefinger is the one who's been moving more pieces and varies than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, these are the two characters, and I think there's been some really interesting developments with these two that we really see in tonight's episode. Oh yeah, they're they're not at the top of their form either, <laughs> which is kind of wonderful. Not. And the people who were very minor players who seem like they would be just you know destroyed early on, Sansa, really coming into their own. It and, would appear um, that the I don't know if this is the right phrase, but the worm has turned. <laughs> is that is that a good phrase to use? Because I every time I think about that phrase, I think of an actual worm turning over. Well, that's so interesting. I was thinking more. The student has become the master, sort ah, of a thing. But. Snatch the pebble from my hand, Grasshopper. Well, something like that. Well, okay, so at the begin- before we get started on our top five for this, I like to give uh, any guest an opportunity to make a plug. Do it. Oh, a plug. Well, <laughs> all right. Uh, my name is Rem, and I'm the creator and co-host of the Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, which you'll find at sci-fi-moviepodcast.com, where myself and my very good friend Jonathan host a podcast on science fiction movies. And we dig into movies and talk about them, about what makes them good or what makes them awful. And then we talk about how these movies are really reflections of our culture and how we can learn from them and how they sort of give us road signs as to where we as a civilization are going. And it's just fun to talk about sci-fi. Yeah, it is. Now, as somebody who's been on, oh my goodness, four episodes with you guys, uh, I'm happy to make that plug. So absolutely, everybody, sci-fi movie podcast, check it out. Rem is an absolute delight on those. Jonathan is... Your yin to your yang. I oh, love you thanks, guys man. so much. It's it's such a great show. <laughs> I appreciate that. <clears throat> a little bit bummed to find out you guys are going monthly. Yeah, we've made a big format change. Uh, we've we've been looking at how we might be able to. What we really want to do is we want to build a, a way of giving more value to our listener. And what we're starting to do now is we're starting to look at movies that have been done recently. We're talking about theatrical releases. We're talking about films that are in production that haven't been released yet. And we're also talking about recommendations for older films and films to avoid. <laughs> so, so at the end of it, we want to, we want to be able to say to somebody, here's three or four movies you might really like, you know what? And here's another one that you probably just want to stay away from. So if we could give some help to our faithful listener and point them in the direction of the best sci-fi and help them awor- avoid the bad stuff, Uh, then I think we've done our job. Well, uh, based on your episode on Dude, Where's My Car? (laughs) Oh, no. I think you've you've pointed somebody away from a... (laughs) Good. I got to tell you. you, uh, Did I save you two hours on that one? No, I saw that in the theater. Oh, I'm sorry. I actually did. No, it was, you know, it was fun. It was goofy. It's a silly movie. Fun, Thank you, Ram. Great plug. Thank you. Absolutely. Good stuff. Check it out. Sci-Fi Movie Podcast, also part of the Podcastica Network. Indeed. Uh, I will say before we get going again on this, everybody, thank you all for your support over the last five episodes. This is my last episode as host of Game of Microphones. However, I will be back for the season finale with Jason as host and David, who was with me in the last episode. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Just want to get that out of the way. Enough of this. 
Rem, let's talk about Game of Thrones, Season 6, Episode 5, The Door. The Door. What are, before we get into our top fives, your overall impression, what did you think I, of this episode? It was it was such a, a, a mixture of feelings where we saw really fun, interesting, quirky moments between Brienne and Tormund. <laughs> <laughs> this storyline is moving like a... Uh, hey, I can swear, can't I? You can swear all you want here, man. <laughs> people, We're covering Game of Thrones. Come on, people on the podcast that I that I do are not going to expect this, but this this story is moving like a fucking freight train. Yes, it it is. has left the station and it is moving at warp speed. And I think what's happening now is we're seeing the all like we said before, all the pieces are put into place. Things are starting to really execute now. The payoffs in the character are are really great, and we're seeing big opening pieces for the storyline. the The history and the origins of the White Walkers. Oh my goodness! I did Christ. not expect that. I did Amazing. not expect that at all. I, you know what? And even even though you're a book reader, it seems like all the book readers were surprised too. Absolutely no. Well, look, we're we are out of book territory right now. We are into this. I mean, and seriously, I almost get the feeling like uh, you know Weiss and Benioff, the the double D's there. They're saying books. We don't need those stinking books. No stinking you know, books. they're just they're going with it, and I and I do feel like it's 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 kind of interesting that there there seems to be this correlation between we're we're freed from the shackles of what has come before and all the little details and minutia of the books. We can now really propel the story. Um, and I'm sure it's over the oversight of Martin. I'm sure even with the books, there's going to be a certain propulsion in the last two. I mean, naturally, you would expect. Oh, for sure. But you feel like they are making this push towards the end game, that we have we have reached this moment well beyond the tipping point. Yeah, they've they've turned a corner, and now they're into a straightaway. But what's yeah. also great is we're getting these these quiet, gentle, soft moments. And you look at last week's episode where we finally have two Starks reunite, and I watched oh, I watched God that does. hug five or six times. Aw, so good. And then we and then we get this the scene with Jorah and Danny, which was so touching. So these really beautifully well constructed character moments and then these great big ass kicking action sequences yes. this is this has got everything it, and it's like they found that that really nice balance yep. between those and and i think of course a lot of that has to do i'd imagine with look we've spent five and a half seasons now with these characters we know who these characters are the actors know who these characters are and we can now begin to really as you said get this payoff yeah, and uh, I think we've from worked all for the work. It. The groundwork has been laid. Yep, and yeah. now all the investment has been made, and now you know it's starting to click into place. And I think we're we're in a, a flat run for the finish now. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and make this uh, race to the finish. What's your number five? Number five. This was tough. This was tough it because was tough. I think there were seven or eight places where I could have had one. I I gotta say I really loved Jora and Danny. Nice. And, and, and that, that moment where Jorah is going to leave and she implores him to, to not leave, but stay in her service and then go get healed. You know, Jorah is, you know, solidly in the friend zone. Uh, and he, he's not going anywhere anytime soon, but you could just see the look of absolute heartbreak on Danny's face. And, and when he said that he loved her, I tell you, it got a little dusty in the room. So to see that admission finally happen. And, and when she says, I sent you away twice and you came back twice, I, I, I don't know what to do with you essentially. 
Um, yeah, fantastic. That's my, that's my number five. And that was, yeah, it, it was a great moment. It really, really was that he finally admitted he's love for. But what was, I got to hand it to Amelia Clark. She handled that scene so well because there were so many conflicting emotions going on in her face. Yeah, because there, you know, we see there's this a love there from her as well. It's just not quite yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, and it's never going to be reciprocated in the way Jora wants. But she still recognizes, and I loved loved it when she said, "You have to be standing by my side." I loved it, and I think there I was a Westeros. realization too that I, I think what she kind of got from Jora is the fact that of of all the people in Westeros, Dario Naharis included, I don't think that Daenerys would feel that Dario feels as much for Daenerys as Jorah does. Cause, cause Jorah yeah. has proved it. He's proved it. And then some, yes, very much so to be really um, loved is, is an amazing feeling. And I, I think that's part of what bold Danny over is that she, she knows that this man loves her so deeply. Now, <clears throat> uh, I, I, I got to ask this question as a non book reader, what is your take on grayscale? Now, a lot of people have been pointing out that Shireen had been cured from grayscale, right? Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. think there's hope for, for Jorah? Do you kind of know the way grayscale works in this world? Or is this still a bit of a mystery to you? The way that I understand it is that it's a process that gradually takes you over. So okay. it starts a little bit on your wrist and it's moving up your arm and it's it's gradually going to consume both your body and your mind. And at, at some peop, at some point, a person goes to the place where the, the stone men live. And I'm sure Jorah wouldn't let that come to that. Now it sounds like Stannis, when Shireen had it, he did everything that he could brought in maesters from all over the world to stop the grayscale and, and really put her into remission and keep the spreading from happening. I don't know that Jorah is going to do that. I, I more see Jorah, going out with a sacrifice some some way that he's able to forward Danny's cost or Danny's cause at the cost of his life he's going to give his life for her cuz i think that's the better arc hmm. but that's how i understand grayscale to work am i am i correct or is it different well <clears throat> the thing with grayscale as it's again you know and this can be totally different in the the show because i don't i'm not sure if they've ever addressed this um grayscale is kind of like chickenpox Mm. in that if you get it as a child, you can get over it. But if you get it as an adult, it's fatal. Well, not fatal. You will turn into one of those creatures that we saw back in Valeria, right? So, so maybe for, age plays a factor in it. Maybe Shireen yes. had a stronger immune system. Well, that that chill, it's like a childhood disease that you can get over. But if you get it as an like it becomes shingles as an adult sort of a thing. Oh, okay. But... I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. So I, I have heard some theories that maybe this uh, Kinvara, this this red priestess in in Marine, might be able to help. Uh, who knows? I don't know. This is a big mystery to me. Again, I don't know how they're they are treating it in the show uh, versus they did with the book. I mean, if it's based on the book, then it's like no, no, he's just a dead man. But I love the fact that Danny is imploring him to find a cure and. For whatever reason, I have this wonderful sense that if anybody can do that, just based on his sheer love of Danny and not wanting to give her up, he will find a cure. 
He's a great character, and I would He's love an would love to see him find some way to be able to come back from that. But this is Game of Thrones. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whatever you want is not what George Martin is concerned about. <sighs> well, that. So, was, how about you? What's your number five? Well, that was a lovely number five. I gotta say, Joran, Danny, I did love that. My number five, the King's Moot. Oh yeah. Um. There were a lot of wonderful things going on during this. <laughs> I mean, it was it was almost a very casual affair for the choosing of the, of, of their their next king. <laughs> <laughs> but so many things that I loved. First of all, Theon doing the right thing. Yep, absolutely loved that. That you know he had the opportunity to stand up and maybe make the claim, and it would have been a solid claim. But he knows who the real leader in that that situation is. And you get that sense too that there there could have been a moment when when he could have tried to seize it for himself, and then when he starts to do the speech, Theon does a pretty great. decent speech. You remember that one he did at, at Winterfell? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> he was he was pretty good there, and, and I thought, oh, this is really great. Yara is going to be the queen, and then it goes to Euron. And I, I know, but I loved I loved Euron's little. Um, you know, he definitely appealed to. He was more of the populist on that, kind of making fun of of Theon and and all these kinds of things. And of course, immediately we get the 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 payoff that yes, Euron is king. I love to see the ritual, the drowning god, and that. Oh, they literally do drown the person. They literally and- drown you. Now I have to ask you about this because I'm I'm not as up on the lore because I haven't read the books. I actually thought the priest was going to drown Euron and kill him on Yara's order. Oh, I thought, I thought Yara was actually gonna gonna do a coup here. And when they were running to the water, I thought what they were gonna do is they were gonna make sure the body was dead and Yara was gonna take the take the uh the salt throne. So that's what I thought was happening. Then oh. when I realized, oh, she's taking the ships. Yeah. Okay. I loved it. That was Nicely and that was a, a wonderful exclamation point on the whole thing is that she and Theon just boop absconded with the ships. Which then, <clears throat> my my big question on that is: Okay, where are they going? Are they going to Danny, the way that Euron uh, expressed that he wanted to do, or are they going to go north? You to, know, it to would help Winterfell. It would make sense, and I, I don't know the story, of course, but you know, if they were to go to Marine, it would really take, <laughs> so to speak, it would take the wind out of Yorin's sails because, sorry, Yara's already done that. And then, yes. and then, if he meets up with Danny and Marine, then her forces would be able to unite to unite with well the Second Sons. We've got the Unsullied, and now we've got a screaming horde of Thraki. So I think well, Yoran's forces would would be no match. And remember that the entire fleet and Marine has been burned to a crisp. Yeah, so they could use a fleet of ships for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Uh, so that that whole thing, I. I First of all, I've always been a fan of the Greyjoys. That's one of those storylines from the book that I adore, that I felt the the show did not cover as adequately as I would have liked. Even with this King's Mood, it's a very different sort of King's Mood than does occur in the book, which is fine. It's a show. It's a different thing, and, and it was cool. It was great, and it's so full of possibility, and I have no clue what's going to happen. I cannot wait. So that's my number five, the King's Mood. And, of course, ending with... Where are my niece and nephew? Let's go murder them. Let's go murder them. Wow. That, that just, just seriously. Wow. That was a, 
we know we know nothing about Euron, so that tells you quite a bit about this guy. And when Euron says, "Yeah, I killed Balon. I threw him over the bridge." Yes, he just owned wow. up to that. He, he nothing to hide there, and because it, it seemed like Yara was all all ready to you know expose him as the murderer, and uh, and the murderer is, and he goes, "Yeah, it was me. I did it. You should thank me for doing it." It's kind of in in a lot of ways, everything that Euron did just took the wind out of yep. everything that Yara was trying to do, and it was it was so deflating. But to see her steal the ships, loved it. Yeah, me too. That, that was just, I can't wait to see where this is going to go. And um should be a lot of fun. What's Indeed. your number four? Number four, I've never seen this happen in a character before, but I've never, and I've never seen Varys Ooh, yes. look the way he looked after <laughs> that confrontation with Kinvaris, uh, the high priestess. You, you see Varys in, a, in situations, he's like Littlefinger. And I think both he and Littlefinger have both in this episode gone through situations where now they're challenged and they're yeah. scared and they don't know what the hell to do. And I've never seen Varys shaken like this before. And it really gives me the sense that this this woman, this red priestess, the follower, follower of Rolor, there is real magic there. There is real earth life impacting magic that these people do and it scares the crap out of them and i i really yeah. like seeing i love varus one of my favorite characters i think i'm actually going to dress up as varus as for halloween because oh bald. my god you that would be perfect i'm a bald fat it? guy all i have to yeah. do is grab some curtains off the off the, <laughs> you know, off the window bam varus so I, I really liked seeing a character that I enjoyed. Just be so careful much. with those little birds. Really, right? don't don't go creepy. Just just <laughs> keep your little birds to a minimum, and don't I'll, go I'll, all method either and lop anything. I'll uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> but seeing Varys uh. shaken the way he was by the Red Woman, yeah, that's my number four because I think that really gave us an interesting perspective into how deeply affected Varys was by this event. And it it was interesting how much about him she knew. Uh, and she made that comment about, you know, so long as, you know, we both uh, are following the same queen, so we shouldn't have any sort of a problem. But if she is the first servant of Relore, which even that statement makes you realize, oh, is she older than Melisandre? Yeah, and she had the same she had the same collar around her neck that Melisandre yes, had. Yes, she did. So that opens up a whole lot of questions. And we we, we had seen her before back in Volantis. It was nice to see her again. Um, and of course, the big, again, a huge question mark as to what role she is going to play uh, in the in the coming story and, and how she's going to play this out. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. And, and like you brought up, Varys being in that sort of vulnerable position, very similar to Peter Baelish in the same episode. And I really loved seeing mm-hmm. these two... Puppet masters, if you will. Yeah, perfect perfect description. Uh, having their strings pulled a little bit. And I right. think that was very uncomfortable for both of them. Now, Because I'm they were certainly not in control. <laughs> exactly. And I'm wondering too now, because we're seeing, is this is the second situation. I'm wondering if Tyrion empowering the Red Priestess is going to go over as well as Cersei empowering the High Sparrow. Ooh. You know, is... Are these really the people that you want to be asking favors from? That not is a, an intriguing question. A, yeah. Not a good idea. It hasn't gone so well for Cersei with the with the High Sparrow. It didn't go so well for Stannis either. No, no, it really didn't. It really didn't. Or Shireen. 
And I think this is kind of showing that Tyrion is a little bit out of his depth right now in Marine, as as much of a statesman and player and politician as he is. I don't think he's got a completely good grasp on this situation, and I think he's making some mistakes. Well, he's he is attempting to be a statesman in a world that I don't think he fully understands. Right, and it shows in his Valyrian. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. King's Landing, he understands. Westeros, he understands. That's a whole Marine and Essos, I don't think he understands. And yep. and he has not had to deal, as you just astutely pointed out, with the Faith Militant and the the, the High Sparrow in King's Landing. He's been gone for a while. Be curious to so, see what happens when uh when Daenerys comes back and and the conversation between Daenerys and Tyrion when she comes back. Yeah, I'm, I'm slavery's really okay for seven years, and now we're in the hands of a red priest to see. Yeah, <laughs> that could be pretty interesting. Yep. But um, there is a different relationship, I believe, with the Lord of Light and Danny, and that they are most certainly being drawn like a moth to a flame. They are being drawn to Danny as well because she represents the fire, right? As much as as Jon Snow may represent the ice in the. Saga yeah. of ice and fire. So we, we see these dualities happening. It could be a different situation. We'll see. I'm looking forward to this. That was actually my number four as well. I think we've oh. already discussed it. What is your number three? Putting you on the spot here. <laughs> number three. Well, this one I wasn't I wasn't expecting. Not at all. And I it's the creation of the White Walkers. How these White Walkers oh my were actually yes. formed? I never <laughs> thought we'd get this storyline. And I wouldn't have thought it would have been the children of the forest that actually no. did that. Creating a creating a weapon to fight their their fight with humans. They created the White Walkers. What a bad idea that was! <laughs> Man, talk about a do over waiting to happen. Well, history is chock full of well, you know, men in in our history at least uh, creating weapons that end up getting out of our own control. Yeah, it's the like end. the Westerosi Skynet that they're uh, that they're constructing here. You know. I would say it's the Westerosi, you know, military, military industrial complex. Right. Um, yes, for sure. It is absolutely an interesting. I love that. That was, again, out of just, wow. I was so shocked and surprised to see this, that we actually got this. Much the way I think, was was it last season or maybe even the season before, where we saw the Night King creating a new White Walker from one of Craster's children. Yeah. Even that was a, whoa, what's going on? And as a book reader, we had never seen that. We'd never seen the Night's King. We'd heard about it, or Night King, I guess, as he's now referred to. Um, that blew me away, and and this blew me away as well. And and we get to see the – my God, we got to see the creation of this. Yeah, that that was the ch- – Ah, and and it's fascinating to me that the children of the forest obviously have uh, swapped their allegiance – Yep. You know, yeah, that they may be they may have created this to try to deal with men due to deforestation. But now they are certainly in the favor of men, it seems, in trying to fight back the this this threat as well. So uh how do they I'm curious how they thought about what kind of happened with the first war that happened with all this and the wall. Did the creation of the wall ease everything up? I mean, how did this Oh my god, it opens so many questions. It really does. Now one of the questions that I have too is if the children of the forest created the White Walkers, who created the Three Eyed Raven? Where does that side of the equation 
you know, come from. And then I started to think, well, we're getting the origin story of where the white walkers come from. And then when Aria, Aria is, is training with Jack and in the hall of faces, we get a bit of dialogue about the, the creation of, um, Bravos of yeah. Bravos and how the, and how the faceless men came to be. So it seemed like we were getting a lot of origin story in this episode, which is really surprising considering it's midway through season six. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, we that's also kind get of awesome origin stories of, well, someone who we will have to be talk, talking about. Hodor, later on, for yeah, sure. And a, but, a, yeah. but even this season we're getting, we're finally seeing th- really all thanks to Bran and, and the three eyed Raven and the green seer. We're, we're getting a lot of information about the past that we never had before, whether it was Ned and the tower of joy and, and all these kinds of things. It's, this has really been a season of revelation. It has been. And I think, it's been a surprise to us as well, because we're thinking that we're going to see the things that are happening in the present moving forward. And I, you know, I know from the the promotional shots, we did have a sense that the tower of joy sequence was going to be happening, but I didn't think that we'd be getting as much backstory and as much of the origin story as we're getting. And it's a, it's such a bonus. Well, yeah. And, and for those of us who are book readers with the tower of joy, we were really all pissed off because they pulled back right when we really wanted the information yeah. that they were about ready to give, but that's okay. I am, I am, I am a patient man and I'm happy to have things doled out. <laughs> you will be rewarded. That, exactly. Will- I believe that. I, I really do believe that. Well, my number three, uh, does tie into what we're talking about somewhat. <clears throat> Aria's first mission. Oh, yes. I did love all of the Aria scenes on this. You brought up the the fact that we learn a little bit about the free uh, free city of Bravos, the creation of that, and the the first faceless men. But what I really enjoyed about this first mission is that it, it, it is obviously a test. Another test. I don't think this is a real first mission. I think this was still a test as to whether or not she really is no one. By sending her to kill the actress of somebody who's in a play of the very story in which she has lived. Yes. Must absolutely press every one of her buttons in terms of, are you Arya Stark or are you no one? And to think too, that going back to the end of the first season, episode nine here, she's watching a play with her father being beheaded when she saw the actual event. She she was there with, you know, she was there with, uh, was it uh, Yori? Was it Yori? Oh, uh, oh my God! What was his name? Uh, no, that wasn't his name. But I can't remember what it is right now. But right. yeah, he had his head cleaved. Uh, that was really sad. I don't remember what his name is at the moment. My apologies. Uh, I'm sure many people will be sending us emails on that one. Uh, God damn! What was his name? Now <laughs> it's gonna drive me <laughs> It'll nuts. Come back. It'll but come the, back. But not only that, but the the what really struck me with that whole scene was that her her father was being portrayed as the traditional Shakespearean fool. Yeah, a real a real kind of bumbling doofus. And we all kind of laughed when he did die first season that Ned Stark was not a bright man. You know, he did not know how to play the game. He was not playing the game, and he died because of it. Um, yet at the same time, we also always recognize the fact that well, he was actually the noble one. He was the honest one. He was the one who held law and justice and order yes. above all and was recognized for it and is is And was of, killed for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and we view him as the idiot because of it. Uh which is atrocious. That is a, a, an abomination of the way 
nobility should be viewed, yet unfortunately in our society and in this society of Game of Thrones, no good deed goes unpunished. And for her to have to be witness to that, that has got to be a test of whether or not she is Arya. I wonder too, now we've in these last two episodes, uh, last three episodes, we've seen two different perspectives of Ned's character, you know, with the fight at the tower of joy. Yes. You know, we see that Ned was, was going to be killed, but the lore and the mythology was that he, he had defeated, was it Sir Arthur Dane? Yes, Sir Arthur Dane. Yeah. So, so, oh yeah. According to the story, it was him who killed, who killed Arthur Dane. Now we're seeing Ned portrayed in a different way. So it's interesting how you can take one character and then depending on which side you're on, the mythology of that character can go either way. Well, and and what was great about the scene was also that we get to see how the general population views this entire mess that's going on. And when we see and, everybody laughing at the bumbling Ned Stark, except for Arya. Yes. Well, and also, mind you, this is a different continent as well. This is not even their battle. So they are seeing this in a very different light. And, you know, Joffrey comes off as sympathetic. Yeah. Cersei comes off as sympathetic. The, even the beheading of Ned Stark came off as an accident. You know, so it's like a game of telephone, right? The actual facts get changed over time, get yep. changed person by person and move it over time and then move it over to another continent. And of course, move it into the general population that maybe is not as privy to all of the specifics as, as the royalty would be, or in our case, the TV viewers would be. And we see an amazing bastardization of the very story that we've been watching unfold uh, in front of our eyes. And I thought that was just such an incredible way of, of depicting all of this. Do you think um, Arya is really going to be able to continue with her training? Do you, do you see her being able to fully engage and become a faceless a faceless person i want to my initial reaction is no um but then i've been hearing some fascinating theories uh some of which our listeners have been uh, uh laying out to me and i really dig and one of those is hold on to your ho- horses for this one i'm sitting down aria is going to have to is theory pure theory i have no this is not a spoiler in any way i don't know Arya is going to have to, as a faceless man, going to have to kill a Stark. Oh, 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 oh. Will she be able to do that? Wow. So that will be the ultimate test, right? Is she a faceless man or is she still Arya Stark? Now, I think, I, I kind of think her training can't continue much longer. The, the feeling that I, I don't get, think so either. No, the feeling I get is that if she does that, then she stops being the character that everybody loves. And then her story arc comes to a halt because we look at Jacken. Jacken's an interesting character and looking at the faceless men, it's an interesting culture and I'd like to learn more about it, but Jacken really has no story because he is no one. And if we spent too much time with him, I think he would be, so, he would really cease to be interesting. Agreed. No, and agreed. I, I don't think we can do that with, with Aria. I think nah, I don't think she it's, will. it's her rage and passion and revenge that propels her character. And if she becomes faceless, she loses all that. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's something, here's a little thing that I'm really hoping for Aria and not just Aria, but the hound. Oh yeah. I so hope the hound is still alive. I, I am 
98% in the camp of Sandor Clegane is still alive. Really? The, you're, you're that confident? Yes, I am. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, you know, my predictions are always pure crap. So I hope you're, take, I so take hope that you're right. Will. But I want to see a situation where either Arya or the Hound has to save one or the other. Oh, I see. And I am so holding out for the notion of Clegane Bowl 2016. <laughs> I want look, the hound existed for one reason, and that was to take out his brother. We know Gregor Clegane is still alive, and I want to see Sandor take him out. I mean, that that was his entire purpose for existence. And I do believe the hound is dead, but I think Sandor Clegane lives. And um regardless of Clegane Bowl, I really want to see Arya and and Sandor somehow or another one has to save the other. I just I don't know that something storytelling. I, I think just the basics of storytelling makes me want that to happen. I think I think the Hound had such a compelling, interesting story, and the and the character oh, arc great. for him was really good. It was, and I always like the notion that when we don't see a death on screen, it leaves the possibility that they might be alive. Yes! Except now, except now for Stannis. Now we've got to write uh, Stannis, Stannis off. Yeah, that's, that's I, done. I was hoping Stannis was still alive, but I tell you, if, if the hound is still alive and is able to come back in some form or fashion, yeah, I would just probably leap out of my chair and uh, dance around the room. I, he, you know, as a character, the hound was a complete bastard, but, I loved that character. You know, I, I'm a big fan of the nuanced character, right? The the one, the character with a lot of flaws, yet there's still some grain of decency within them. Jamie Lannister is a great example. Yep, yep. Take um, Mal. Take Mal from uh, Firefly. Oh, very well. But even he was made much more likable than, um, than say, the Hound or, yeah, he's, or, he is, <laughs> or Jamie Lannister. Yeah, true. And, you know, because Jamie, Jamie started off, with that arc where everybody hated him. And then, yep. you know, we have the empathy and we get to know him and we get to know a story. And yeah, I think it's, it's nice when we can see a character that's got all these shades and all these facets and all this, this really great curvature in the storyline. Well, and it's, dare I say, it just feels more realistic when you have a character that's very gray versus the black and white, the black and white's boring. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. The gray is fascinating. And, right. and Sandor is the perfect example for me of somebody who's so fascinating because he's a dick in, in so many different ways. In so many different ways you look at it, he's just he's an asshole. But there's something likable about the guy. He was good to Arya. He was. And I think he was, he was good to Sansa as well. Yes. I, I think, I think when, you, when you strip this person down and, and take them down to the very essence, they're a good person. And when he did that, that scene when he was describing to Arya, Arya, how the mountain pushed his face into a fire, you see him in a really vulnerable state. Yeah. You could see him sort of shrunken over and his shoulders are down. And he's very, he's very weak and vulnerable at that point. And it made the character so much more endearing. And I hate that I can't remember his name right now, the the actor's name, because he's, it he's Rory. It is Rory. Rory McCann. Yes. Might be. We'll go with that. Why not? Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get see? the hate mail, so I don't have to worry about it. This is true. <laughs> uh, Jason will get it now. Um, <laughs> did you ever see uh, Hot Fuzz, Simon Pegg and um, Oh, Nick I never Frost? did. I, I heard it's really good, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, he's in it. Oh, is he? And he plays somebody 
with an almost Hodor bent to him. Wow. He only, he only says one thing. Nop. Wow. Nop. Now I have to go watch this. Eventually he does say one other thing, but ultimately it's Nop. I and, like it. and that's and that's him. That's the hound. That's my number three, Arya's first mission. Let's keep moving on. What is your number two? Sansa defying Baelish. Wow, you and I are right on track. Oh, that's my number that two as well. So <laughs> and you know, I think about it, you think about the first three seasons where Sansa is a, a little girl and she's naive and she's a bit uh, a bit dopey and she's in love with Joffrey until he starts to, you know, torment and terrorize her. And to see what she's gone through after yes. her experience, this horrific experience with Ramsay, talk about being um it's like Bill Paxton said in that movie, um, Edge of Tomorrow. You know, you will be baptized in this fiery crucible. And she's come out the other end, I, I think, a real warrior. And and I think a real potential military mind and a statesperson. And I loved how when she had the opportunity to, to kill Baelish, she didn't do it, but she threatened him. And I love how she said... You either let this happen and that makes you my enemy or you let it happen because you didn't know and that makes you an idiot. And to see Sansa coming into her power like this and to see Baelish recoil, just like we talked about with Varys kind of recoiling at the Red Queen, to see Baelish recoiling at the possibility that Brienne just might kill him, fantastic. Love seeing Sansa come into her power. Well, at the be- at beginning of this episode, I did talk about secondary characters who have been coming into their own. That is specifically what I was thinking about, was, was of course, Sansa. Uh, and actually, the clip that I played at the very beginning of this episode, which you did not hear, is actually that same clip of her saying, you know, if you didn't know, you're an idiot. If you did, you're my enemy. Great line. I do love the command that she has taken over herself, the agency of her own uh, fate, if you will. It has made her such an incredibly strong and and wonderful character to be able to rally behind. She's no... I mean, and you know, so much of this was brought up even in the last episode when she and John were chatting where she says, oh, come on, I was awful, you know? And she was. At the beginning of this <laughs> series, she yeah. was just a... You know, pompous little girl that thinks she thought she knew everything and she understood the way the world worked and she was completely clueless as to the way things worked. And unfortunately, now through massive trial by fire, she is completely coming into her own. And I love it. Every single moment of her maturization, her her, as you said, a leadership abilities of being able to be a military leader kind of a thing. It's just on full display. And at the same time, she is still remaining true to who she is as a character, as evidenced in this episode, when she makes she and John, this wonderful Stark wear. And I loved all of that, that she, you know, when we first met her, she's doing the needlepoint thing with, um, whatever the, the woman was that was, I can't even remember. Old man. So long ago, not old. No, it wasn't old Nan. It was another woman that took care of them. I don't remember. Septa Mordain. That was her right, name. Right, right. I remember her. Sitting there doing her needlepoint, and Arya was so bad at it, and she would go running off. But but Sansa and Jane Poole, her friend, they'd sit there and do this and make fun of Arya and make fun of everybody else who wasn't cool and, and neato like they were. And here is this now battle-hardened uh, woman who's still putting that into play. 
and making a kick-ass Starkware outfit for both herself and Jon Snow. And I loved all the furs going on with that. They looked amazing. And it's just, to me, that was perfect Sansa. And it really represented, too, her her commitment to family. And yes, it embodied everything mm-hmm. that she she stands for. Instead of, you know, you could say, what were you doing? You're spending your time sewing. Don't you have more important things to do? No, I'm making you something with a star crest on it. So this way you will feel confident and, and your foes will know who you are. So she's taking that skill and she's doing it in such a way that it's almost like she's decorating her troops. Yeah. You know, you know, and I, I really like that. There's also something, and you and I were talking before we started to record about vocalization because you're studying vocalization. And one of the things that I've noticed about Sansa is the, the quality mm. of her voice has changed. She had a bit of a yeah. higher register, but now in this season, when I listen to her talk, she's pulling more from her, her diaphragm, her chest. She's speaking like a more mature woman and oh, I hear her aged. voice. Yeah. And I see her, hear her voice going lower. And that gives me the sense that, you know, not she's gotten older, but th- that also gives that sense that she's really matured. She's not the squeaky teen that she used to no, be. No, she's now not. she's a woman. Yes. And, and her decisions, not only her voice, but her decisions are reflecting that, you know, everything she's doing is, is the decision of somebody who is very much in command of her own destiny. And you know, the person <clears throat> that I was hoping would be still alive, you when you're talking about Sandor being alive, we find out that the Blackfish is still alive. Yes, who we haven't am... seen since the mm. Red Wedding. God, I was so happy to hear yeah, to hear him Blackfish brought up, to hear the Tullys brought up. And here's the other thing that Sansa did was turn down the help from the Vale. Now she knows specifically that she needs extra troops. This should have been a godsend to her, but I think she is so adamant about not accepting any help from Littlefinger at this point, because I think she does know that his motives are questionable, that she is going to rebuke that yet at the same time, she still lies to John about that's that. A, meeting. And that's a good question. Why does, why does she leave that piece of information out? And I, I guess she's not going to bring that to John. If she doesn't, if she doesn't trust Littlefinger herself, then, then why would she want to say, hey, I don't like this guy, but he's got an army that we can use? Well, I'm I, wondering I, I about that as well. I mean, you know, at some point I can see there is going to be a need for that army. I, I can see them. Ooh, I, I really was looking forward to that army. I thought that's yeah. what was going to help yeah. them take back Winterfell. I was a little surprised to see her rebuke that uh, other than this. Maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe it's a. I, I, I am so strong at this moment. I can reject you and what you're offering me because I don't trust you anymore. I don't quite understand that. But at the same time, oddly enough, her lying to John about it made me feel like she's still keeping it in her pocket. You know, I wonder about this. Okay. Let me bounce an idea off you. So she's, she shut down Varys. Uh, she shut, shut down Baelish completely. Now I think in the response that we see from Baelish, I, I don't think that he really wanted what happened to Sansa to happen. I, and I think he didn't know. I think he genuinely was surprised by this. I think he may be in the idiot category on I this think one, which was. is, which is fascinating considering as we've talked about earlier in this episode, yeah. 
he's the ultimate chess, you know, the chess master. He, he is. is. He's the one that's been setting up all these pieces. And here he has been duped. That's shocking. That's information he didn't have. So I think what's going to happen here, because we've never really seen a significant arc from Peter Baelish. And I wonder if this might be the point where we see that arc start to happen, where, where when Sansa's, you know, threatening to kill him, he's terrified. I think he still cares for her deeply. And I would bet dollars to donuts. I'm laying it on the line here. Fist on the table. I think at some point we're going to see a turn in Baelish's character. He's going to use these troops when Sansa needs them the most. They're going to be in a, in oh, a dire situation. And I wouldn't be surprised if Baelish comes to the rescue. I would really like that. Because then that gives his character a really interesting arc. Yeah. Because right now, when you think of Baelish, conniving, scheming, manipulative, we don't really see the good side of him yet. Self-serving. Self-serving. So wouldn't it be interesting yeah. if if he was to put his interests aside for the, the girl that he cares so much about? Because I think he I think he really does love Sansa. See, the thing, the thing that gets so muddy about his love of Sansa, though, is, of course, that it's his love of Cat. Is it really? Now, Now he certainly did love Cat. And is he sort of, in a creepy kind of way, loving Cat through Sansa, which is well, just... Well, that has been the, the undertone that has existed throughout this entire thing, especially when you go back to that kiss that they shared in the mm-hmm. snow back in, 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 in the, the Eerie. You know, that's that's where it does get a little icky and you just don't know. And this is the beauty that is Peter Baelish because we never know what's actually going on with him. He is not a straight shooter. He is somebody that always has something up his sleeve. So I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks I love what you're saying, that maybe he'll show up in the nick of time to help save the situation or whatnot. I love that. Is it self-serving? It could be. He He's a giant wild card. And I think he needs a selfless act. If he's going to complete his arc correctly, uh, or in the way that I would like to see, and I'm just kind of making this up as I go, I would really like to see him do something for someone else that isn't, that isn't, uh, you know, slathered in ulterior motives to see him have one selfless gesture, which could cost him his life. I was going to say, it'd have to, it'd have to mean his death. Yeah. Yeah. If he if he kill if he allows himself to die to save Sansa, then everything we've said is moot, and he's a great guy. I mean, right. it's it's you know, it's, <laughs> but that's that's the beauty of this story, right? Is is people have the opportunities to do the right thing, and we've seen this time and time and time and time and time again that people do the the wrong thing for the wrong reason over and <laughs> yeah. over and over again. Uh, I will bring this up. I think I brought it up last episode, but I do believe it needs to be the mantra of this show. As Ramsey Snow once said, if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. So, uh, (laughs) and I like when, ah! when, when Tyrion says to, um, when he says to Oberyn, if you're looking for justice, you've come to the wrong place. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it's, it's, you know, I think our society, our culture, our history of storytelling has led us to this feeling of, no, 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 good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. George R. R. Martin has decided to um, put this completely on end and make you think, no, 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 horrible things happen to good people and really good things happen to bad people. And, you know, life is fucked up. 
Uh, <laughs> so in this story, I don't discount anything. I'm actually more surprised when something good happens from a good act. Because then it's really earned. And I think we had to have all those crosses, those Starks almost meeting but not meeting, to make that final meeting with John and Sansa so powerful. And how how rewarding was that when it's even the two characters who actually didn't give a fuck yeah. about each other? Yeah. You know, if it was Bran and John, oh my God, that would be amazing. If it was Ari and John, oh my God, even better. But that didn't happen. Yeah. It's Sansa and John, the one person he didn't care about and she didn't care about him. She hated him. But they've built up enough, they've got enough in the tank when it came time to fire that that particular thruster, boy was it there. Bingo. Exactly. And that's so what what's a, your number what two? A great story. Uh Sansa and Littlefinger. What's oh, your we number got the one? same thing, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We're 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 right on track with one another. I, and yeah, let's okay. We don't need to say what's our number one, because I think we all know exactly what's our number one. Mine goes uh, What are you talking about, Willis? Uh, so man. so how did you feel when you watched this? When you saw this starting to play out? What was your sense here? Okay, first of all, my number one is actually all of the brand scenes because I felt that that was. I also included the whole thing with the White Walkers and and oh, okay. But but even going back to being seen by the White Walkers in in you know the 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 mark left by him the the trace. I mean, all of that was. Oh, how do I put this? Amazing storytelling, in the sense of that it was you. You felt a real sense of dread. You felt a sense of urgency. It was exciting. It was, oh my God, it was just so much potential that we've build, been building up for for five and a half seasons to suddenly just have this spill over in an, in, an almost an orgy of violence and excitement and, and, and just emotion, but anchored completely by Christian Narn Hodor. Really was, really was. And that oh my god! That sense of terror that you you talked about when Bran is he's walking through this army of the dead, you know, confident that he can't be seen. Then when they see him, oh! <laughs> damn. If you didn't get goosebumps, there's something wow. wrong with you. That was incredible. You oh are god. so screwed, son. <laughs> yes, that was that was just amazing. And and uh, a coworker of mine, uh, she may be listening to this. I'm not sure, Cheryl. She brought up a good point. And even I was like, wait, what's going on here? When the, ch- the child of the forest, what Leaf, I guess her name was, where she suddenly produces a ball, like basically a grenade. Yeah, it looked, explodes, like, it looked, you like, a, looked like a plasma grenade from Halo. Yes, yes. Thank you that you said it. So we were <laughs> laughing. Oh, wait, when do they cross genres? And we're suddenly in a sci-fi space movie. Um, <laughs> I got these from Master Chief. Well, or, or you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a PS4 guy. I'm, I'm not a... Xbox, so I've never played Halo. No. But but it did have this like Guardians of the Galaxy sort of or thermal detonator sort of a quality that I'm like, where the hell is this coming from? What how do they suddenly have this ball of doom? What's going on here? But I loved it. And it was where can so I get 40 or 50 cool. more of those? Oh my god, it was just so incredible, this <laughs> entire sequence. But 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 we're of course burying the lead because we don't want to talk about it. That's the death of Hodor. <sighs> um Man, man. So this is the part that I think was kind of spoiled for me. I was listening to another Game of Thrones podcast, and they were talking about the door and what could the door mean. And invariably, it came up to Hodor. 
And really? Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think they knew. And I won't say which podcast it was because I, because I really enjoyed listening to them. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a uh, game of microphones. It was a uh, another podcast. And I, well, I'd, I'd give kudos to whoever did that. They, they sussed it out. And, they they figured it out because because there was no clue in the books. Just yeah, saying, so no, the this book is not didn't get that. So no, 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 absolutely not. When when they said the door, they were starting. Ah, is this something to do with Hodor? I I don't know. I don't know. And then and then we get that, and I I think that that really played out so tragically, but. And we'll see some of this in the feedback because there's a lot of feedback about it. Oh, yeah. That's the majority of the feedback. But it opens up the whole notion of these time travel paradoxes, which gives me a headache every time. I, I, I just don't, It's rough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's always, it's always very confusing for me. Now, do you get a sense that this could be something where Hodor knew what was going to be happening? Okay, so we have life? a lot of questions in our feedback about yeah. everybody's confused. Everybody's confused. I don't think anybody has actually sussed out exactly how this works. You know, how did this work? Um, Bran is still firmly in the past, yet he's able to warg into Hodor in the present. He's able to do two things at once. He's able to do two things at once, which maybe when you're younger, you can do that. But as you get older, you most certainly cannot do that. Um, (laughs) Not as long, anyway. Not as (laughs) long. (laughs) <laughs> I could do it for but, a little while, but uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. So, so yes, the, the big question is, was Hodor aware? Okay. So when Hodor had a seizure in the past and became Hodor, if you will, when Willis became Hodor, did he know what was happening in the present? And at that point, has he lived his entire existence knowing what his fate would be? And if that is the case, did he take Bran there knowing precisely what was going to happen? You know, I don't think so. Personally, I don't think so. But there are people who are much smarter with the whole time travel thing than I am because it just gives me kind of a headache to think about it. But it would make me think that in the past, when Willis collapses, has the seizure, and turns into Hodor, I don't think he knows what's coming later on in his life. And I and I don't think that he understands that his his life now is going to be lived to a certain point. I don't think he knows that he's going to be dying outside the 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 door to the tree. I don't think he knows that. What do you think? Do you think he's aware of that or? No, I don't know. I want to say no. My 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 gut instinct is to say no. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same place because he he seems like somebody who's just trapped in this sense of uh, this sense of this trauma. And if, if the word Hodor is the only thing that he can verbalize, is he able to comprehend any sense of time forward or past? Or is he know that he's, but we know that he has something going on in him. I mean, when, when, when he and Bran were just talking about this recently, uh, a couple episodes back and, or a few episodes back where Bran said, you know, he he was asking him some questions, and there definitely seemed to be an understanding of what Bran was saying. Do you think so, or do you think people were kind of over, overlaying or maybe extrapolating on top of no, that? No, it I, could I think be. He did know? I, I think he did know, but I don't. Hmm. As far as his ultimate fate, I. Oh my god, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, but just what's there's so much to unpack in this scene, and I, and I feel like we could spend an, an hour going over every little moment and, and 
what it all meant. I mean, A, like we already mentioned, I'm impressed that Bran could do what he was able to do in the way that he did it. I mean, again, uh, warging into somebody in the present while you're currently in the past, yet visualizing what's happening. Uh, so so the, the other issue is how much of this two-way street to the past does Bran have when he is warging, you know, with the tree, when with the Weirwoods. <clears throat> We've already seen this happen with, of course, with Ned Stark at the Tower of Joy. We then got to see a little snippet of that with the White Walkers. We, how do I put this? We we are we are left to extrapolate a lot of information with limited information. Yep, and I think there's a lot of interesting speculation that's going on. I really dug yeah. when the point where where Bran is back in Winterfell in the past, and at the point where the the white the uh, Night King kills the three eyed Raven, and you, then you yes. see it burst into in, into smoke. Kind of reminds me of uh, Neo in the Matrix. For sure. They say if hey, if you die in the you know, mind can't survive or body can't survive without the mind. I thought, ah, that kind of feels like a matrix moment to me. Well, and of course, why did Bran not then go back to the present? Is he losing the ability to control his ability to go back and forth? Well, there you was know, and there was some point where uh, where either Jojen or Mira said if you spend too much time in a direwolf, in the you'll you'll lose your ability to to come back to the present. Whether and that's the true. green seer said the three eyed raven said that as well. If you spend yeah. too much time there, you will drown. Yeah. So is he losing that ability? I mean, again, there's a we could spend a lot of time unpacking <laughs> this one scene, and there was so much going on. Uh, but man, the loss of Brand's faithful. Uh, I want to say companion, but I mean, faithful horse or whatever. Now I'm really grateful. I got to say this. There was a theory running around for a while about Hodor. The reason why Hodor is Hodor <clears throat> was that he was a warg and he warged into a horse and the horse ended up dying while he was still in there. And therefore the horse was named Hodor. And therefore uh, that's why he was always who he was. I'm so glad that's not the case. Neat I'm idea. So neat idea. But this case. one, this one I like a lot more. <clears throat> No, I like this one a lot more. And it's just, uh, it begs so many questions as to what this full extent of this particular ability is, what the extent of this warging is. Um, Another sad part, too. We lost Summer. I was so sad. Oh, for fuck's sake. Another direwolf. Oh, man. You know, the image I was going to use for this podcast was actually somebody, I found a great image online of just a close-up of Summer's face. Oh, that'd be perfect. I skipped it. I'm going for, uh, well, any of you or you're, you're probably already seeing the image. It's the one of Tormund looking at, uh, <laughs> Brienne and Brienne <laughs> looking disgusted. Grin. And I will, I will, I will let the listeners know the reason why I chose that. This is such a dark and unsettling episode. I wanted to have an image that was a little more light and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Little dichotomy there. Levity moments in Game of Thrones are so rare. I think we kind of have to capitalize on them. But that look was precious. I loved it. I loved it she's, so much. He's and looking at her. She looks back. And he just gives the, this goofy smile. <laughs> God, I loved it so much. Um, that was good. So I don't know. I, I wish I had more insight for our listeners regarding the Hodor situation. I don't know what to make with it. I mean, honestly, it is a... Time travel paradox. We've got warging. We've got yelling into the past. We've got some two-way communication into the past, but we also have 
Bran unable to get out of it in the present. We have Hodor having a seizure. Uh, hold the door, hold the door, hold the door, hold the uh, Hodor. Oh, my God. Do you think um, at some point we're going to see, and I don't even like saying the words, are we going to see a Hodor White Walker? I hope not. I hope not, too. I, I hope not. I, I just I don't, don't need to see, see that. that. I don't nope, need nope, to nope. see that. Don't need to see it at all. Um, yeah, that was rough. That was really, really rough. So, uh, God, rest in peace, Hodor. I, I, I don't want to see him show up again. Great character. I, you know those little Funko Pop figures? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a whole bunch of those. I only have two Game of Thrones. Uh, one, actually, I confiscated from my daughter because my mother-in-law, who did not realize what it was from, about three years ago for my 10-year-old daughter, got one of those for like her Easter basket. And it was Easter, ba- Easter, my God, I can't speak, Easter basket. It was Tyrion Lannister. And I'm like, no, 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 no. She doesn't even know who that is. I'm taking that. <laughs> I'm going to take this away from you. You're not ready for a Tyrion Lannister. Exactly. But the only one I've purchased was Hodor. Ah, good choice. I love Hodor. I lo- I have always loved Hodor. I, I still love Hodor. Uh, so his passing was difficult. And sad. It was. It was noble. It was great. I, I felt for a character that uh, had one line of dialogue. He captured all of our hearts, and and I'm I'm very pleased that he got the send off that he did. And what a heroic ending, too. Yes. You know, this yeah. wasn't a, an instance where he gets taken out by a stray bolt or, or killed, no, you know, no. his, he gave his life to make sure that Bran lived. He had yeah. the most heroic exit that I think any character could. And, you know, and on top of that, it's like, really Bran, you, th- th- this is now getting into saving private Ryan territory, right? Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Earn this. And yeah. now I have to say with Bran, dude, earn this well you know he's got the power to you know he's got the power to because it looks like he's got more power than the free, the three-eyed raven even though he well, doesn't have the the level of training that he was hoping hoping to have well here's the issue that i'm worried about with that though is that you know okay the three-eyed power uh, three-eyed power three-eyed raven three-eyed have the power, power. <laughs> go go three-eyed power raven no um <laughs> he had the power but maybe he didn't utilize it because he was mature enough not to my concern is that is is Bran mature enough and does he understand the extent of his power that he's going to be able to wield it properly? Well, yes. Because, as Spider-Man would say, mm. with great power comes great responsibility. That's a good point. And does Bran even know the full extent? Do we know the full extent of his powers? Because we didn't know this week that he was able to time travel and warg something in no, time we travel have, at the same time. I, we have no clue of the extent of his Damn. powers. I don't think he has an ex, uh, any knowledge of the extent of his powers. And uh, I, I can't I can't wait to see how that's going to play itself out. Obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying obviously because I'm, it's, it's a hopeful obvious that he's going to have a major role to play in the upcoming war or whatever it is that's going to happen in the series. Well, it sounds to me like the he's, game. he's obviously at some point going to have to warg into one of the dragons. Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. I wonder if he could do, could he warg multiple animals simultaneously? Okay. Okay. So dire wolves, let's back up here for a second. How many dire wolves are left? 
Well, I how think do you, we how just do you have, take that? we have Nymeria who was Arya's. Yep. 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 And I think we have Ghost who was, yep. who was John. So isn't that the extent of it? We've yeah. lost Lady. Now, Lady was the first to go. Uh, now we just lost Summer for sure. Summer. I'm yeah. still holding out hope that was not Shaggy Dog that we saw. I okay. still believe in the Umber conspiracy and um, and Grey Wind. Grey Wind is very dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, so. if, if Shaggy Dog's alive, I think that it would be great. And if if it meant the sacrifice of Osha in order to be able to pull that coup off, great. <sighs> They just don't seem to have any traction in that direction yet. Or maybe they're no. saving that particular uh, thread of the story for something that happens a little bit later in the, in the, in the future. Would be great to see the, uh, the Umbers were actually on the Stark side all the time. I hope. I hope I hope so. I hope, I hope so. Yes. I hope so. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So that's our top five. Oh my God. We have really done this to death. Do you have any <laughs> notes uh, that you want to bring up? Something we did not cover. There are a couple of things. Let's see. Uh, I think it was interesting when we talk about... The I don't think I got that. We're talking about the the dead army. Um, talking about Hodor. Don't want to see Hodor as a White Walker. No. Um, the only thing we didn't talk about was that close up shot of the wiener. So, <laughs> <laughs> so King Joffrey has two warts on his dick. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think that's the other thing that people are going to have a lot of questions about. It just narrowly escaped being in my top five the uh the 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 close-up wiener shot so wow yeah that did that did not even uh, cross my mind i think i tried <laughs> to push that out of my mind as quickly as i could there you go um, there's something uh, about for you uh, thank you great thanks ram <laughs> really uh the only other thing i have is actually dollar said and yeah, i really okay. adored his brief little moment of well i'm not lord commander <laughs> oh close the gates i guess i um yeah, I, I just got a kick out of that, and and that's it. That's that's all I have for my notes. Um, I think Ed's going to be a bit of a reluctant leader because it seems like a job that he really doesn't want, but he's. I think he's going to find that he's the most capable man for the job. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, before we get into any kind of uh, news or letters, uh, before we get into any of that, uh, real quickly, just want to bring up a few little theory items. I'm not going to get into too much detail. Uh, You are not a book reader, so I don't want to get, I don't want to spoil too much for you. Don't spoil me, bro. Well, there are a couple little things. So first of all, so by the way, if you are totally averse to this, skip, skip forward and you will go to news about game of Thrones. And and that is before we get to our Ravens calls. First thing, um, boy, it, it looks really difficult for Mira to drag, Bran around. Mm. I don't know how she, how the hell she's going to do that with that Hodor. This then, and this is going to be more for book readers. You're going to understand what I'm going to say. I'm going to try to be relatively vague here. Uh, this opens the door for cold hands in a big way. So maybe cold hands can help Bran lead them elsewhere. Cause it's really down to the, just the two of them. Now it's just yes. Bran and Mira. Yes, it is. There's another character that, that, that led them to the greens here. Mm-hmm. Who may be Benjamin Stark? Oh, Benjamin. We don't know, but he's probably also a White Walker. Oh wow! But he rides a fucking elk. What? And it's really cool. Nice. So I've I've really been waiting for the cold hands. This could open the door. Uh, the other thing, uh, Kinara, the Red Priestess, may be replacing a character by the name of Benero, who is a Red Priest. 
who could actually create flames and really foretell the future in a very good way. So there's a possibility that she may be taking over his place, and that could be really interesting. And that okay. is actually all I'm going to say on theories. I'm going to leave it at that. Now, is Kinvaris showing up in the books, or is is she no. a show creation? Show creation. I see. Yeah. All right. All of that said, wow, we covered a lot of stuff. Rem, that was great. Thank yeah, you. My pleasure. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back with news about Game of Thrones, and then we'll take all of our listener feedback. So, quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back, and it is now time to go ahead and chat about some news about Game of Thrones, things that have come out over the week. Rem, elucidate us. Oh, yes. Well, it appears that piracy rears its ugly head again. We get this from winteriscoming.net. It turns out last week, HBO appeared to have successfully shut down a Spanish YouTuber. Apparently, they were describing the plots of each of the uh, season six episodes before they aired. And I know, terrible. Looked like the network had won the piracy war once and for all uh, until last night. And apparently (laughs) HBO Nordic apparently uploaded and made this Sunday's available, like the episode that we just watched, The Door. They made it available hours earlier. And according to a Reddit user who found it earlier on, they said, hey, it's online right now. If you want to watch it, but they might remove it soon. Somebody probably messed up by putting it up there. And it's one of those instances where HBO has been really trying to nail down the the piracy of Game of Thrones because it is the most torrented program out there. And as much as they try, there there always seems to be the opportunity for somebody with a digital copy to get that out there. And I think at some point they they might have to realize that when you're dealing with digital content, it might be impossible to, to kind of lock it down completely. And I, and I've been really praising HBO this year for doing just that. Yeah, it seems yeah. like they've really been doing a great job of it, but eh, can't keep it on and everything. That's yeah, the they've, they've 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 done a better mm-hmm. job, but I think as far as one hundred percent containment, I don't know that that's ever going to happen. Well, and we even have a letter. One of our listeners, uh, a specific letter from one of our listeners, says or voicemail, excuse me, actually says that yeah, they got it early. Mm. I got this voicemail before they the ser- the show even aired. Wow. Yeah. Uh, talk about a spoiler alert there, huh? I ignored it. it yeah, man. better. I just turn off my, all of my social media. I don't want to know it. So until, you know, I just yeah. go on sort of a social media blackout. Six six p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I shut down. Yep, yep. That's the way to yeah. do it. That's the way to do it. Well, we've been hearing rumors too about a possible spinoff of Game bah. of Thrones, and this comes from EW.com. And as much as we like the idea, well, Kid Harrington has not been approached about a potential spinoff. And apparently there's been some talk in the UK about it. And Kid Harrington has then thought to entering preliminary discussions about a an as-yet-unannounced Thrones sequel series. But the reps for the show and Kit Harrington say that there is zero truth to this. 
maybe we can finish this show first. I kind of think that would be yeah, a good no idea. Yeah, no kidding. You know, HBO I'm, I'm is, assuming he'll be dead by the end of this. Could so be. Come you on. Know. <laughs> Nothing to put a sequel to with him. So HBO has been pretty adamant that there's no current Thrones spinoff or a prequel planned, but it could eventually change with the just announced departure of top programming executive Michael Lombardo. He told EW a firm no when he was asked about a spinoff last month. And he went on to say, quote, if this was to happen, it would have to come from showrunners David Benioff and Dan Weiss, who were feeling really something strong about this, or George Martin, really feeling that it is the right thing to do. He said, not knowing how this particular story ends, I don't know. There are plenty of characters, secondary characters, who you could build a world around, and we're going to be drawn to a strong creative vision, but we're not going to do that unless we feel the passion. So the possibility of doing either a sequel, a prequel to Game of Thrones could have some possibilities, but hopefully they're going to stick to that creative vision and not do it unless the story really calls for it. I want to see the Gendry, uh, Gendry Chronicles. Oh, wouldn't he's that be out something? there out there rowing his Still boat? Still rowing his little adventure, boat. Various adventures as he <laughs> rows his little dinghy around. <laughs> do you think Gendry is going to show up again at some point? No. <laughs> I, think, wow. I think that's done. Uh, hot pie. I want to see the hot pie chronicles, oh, the hot pie chronicles. Um, and you know who I could see less of, I could see a lot less of Gilly. Oh, I could, I gotta <laughs> tell you, I could do without Gilly because right now she's, she's sort of like season six version of Shay. And I, Oh, interesting. I really didn't enjoy Shay because I found in those particular characters, they were really only around to be sounding boards for Tyrion and Sam now respectively. So like Sam, like what he's doing, but I don't know that, that Gilly really brings enough as a character to warrant the screen time that she's going to get. Well, maybe Shay has gone back to her, uh, more ad- adult film, perhaps, uh, roots that she perhaps. came from. Who knows? Very well. Thank you very much for <laughs> that news. Uh, you know, it's, and, and as I've said before, HBO is keeping a really tight thing on everything. So the news every week has been a little, been a little anemic, quite frankly, and I'm happy about that because I want HBO to keep that tight. Yeah, and I'd um, like to be surprised when things happen. But look over the horizon. <gasps> what? See what's coming? Ah, Good God. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Ravens. Ravens. So wow. we have a lot of feedback. Of course, we had to cut out a lot of things because, well, we were all kind of saying the same thing. Hodor, 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 Hodor. Mm. Um. But first, we begin with our feedback from uh, Facebook. Rem, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Yeah, Olivia Deck wrote in and said, Why can't Bran listen to adults? Don't climb on the tower, Bran. Don't go into the weirwood. Not alone, Bran. The loss of Summer and Hodor was a real kick in the feels. Michael Harding says, The whites are scary as hell. Mm. They make the zombies on The Walking Dead seem like pests. Brian and Tormund love the subtle interactions between the two of them in the background of the scenes. Sansa doesn't trust the Peter ever. Another good episode. Yeah. Good episode? Okay, yeah, good. And Jamie All Dick right. said, damn, that ending. So many feels. Hold the door. This is going to stay with me for a while. So I understand this correctly. Hodor slash Willis knew this was going to end the whole time. Fuck. Yeah. So do we did we get any clarity on that? We we don't no, really know. No, we no, don't, we really don't know, know, do we? We really don't know. No. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe at some point know. in the future. Maybe. 
Uh, Rob, Rob, Rob. He actually left a couple of, of different messages on our Facebook page, but this one was was the first one. For fuck's sake. <laughs> and then he's got the picture of a comic book guy. Worst episode, Worst episode ever. ever. Yeah. Nice. So uh, he also has another one with the shame step to saying shame. He just didn't like this episode. I don't know what to make of it if he didn't like it because he was upset about Hodor dying or if he's being a fucking troll because this was a great episode. Sorry, Rob cubed, but um, really, I, come on. I think Rob is probably curled up in the corner sucking his thumb like most of us. Perhaps. And probably like me, needed a hug after the episode. Yep. So there you go, Rob. Big <laughs> hug for you. Amanda Chambers wrote in and said, maybe I'm missing something, but if the children were the one who created the White Walkers to kill off men, why can't they just call them off? Did they just decide to go rogue? Why would they be trying to kill the children? WTF. Also, what we don't know is usually what gets us killed. That's a quote from Peter Baelish, who really wrote that letter. Come and see. Come and see. Now, what do you think? It, it had to be uh, Ramsey. <clears throat> who else could have written that letter? What, the the the, the letter to Jon Snow? Yeah. Who That's really? Ramsey, absolutely. Um, as far as the children creating the White Walkers and then they can't call them off, obviously you don't have children. <laughs> if you think you have control over them as they get older, oh, please. I've created the these things and now I can't control them. Ask Oppenheimer about that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Next one's from Kristen Hallberg. After talking with my cousin a bit, he has the idea that if Bran warged into Hodor of the past to help Bran in the future, then Hodor essentially died then and has been an empty vessel since until his endgame is completed in the future. So when a few weeks ago when Bran asked him about the fact that he used to speak and Hodor got really sad about why he didn't anymore, when Bran asked... He must have known what was coming, right? And if that's so, then why the fuck did he take Bran to that place? What is happening? I think my brain is melting from the loop it's on. <laughs> Brilliant storytelling. Really fantastic. My favorite season so far. Mr. Blog! It's ah! me. Happy trails and hope to have you back next season every week. Take care of yourself, sir. Oh, oh shit. yeah. Thank you, Kristen. Really appreciate that. Uh, I am taking care of myself. I don't want anybody to think that I'm in some dire straits. I'm not. I'm fine. Uh, it's just stressful, and it was just too much at once, and I've got my kids, one kid graduating fifth grade. I'm making air quotes when I say graduating, and the other one graduating, air quotes, eighth grade. There's just a lot of stuff going on right now. Oh, I'm yeah. good. I'm fine. Thank you so much, Kristen. She and I have actually been having some wonderful uh Wonderful discussions on, on th via Facebook through message. So I'm gonna I want to say how much I appreciate that, and to everybody that I've been chatting with via Facebook personally, um, thank you guys so much. the 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 send off I've been getting this last week since I announced that I was gonna be leaving has been, oh my god, it's, it's been so heartwarming. I'm sure there are a lot more people out there who have just not been saying anything. And they're like, oh my god, thank God this fucker's gone. Please bring on Jason. <laughs> Um, and I really understand that as well. But for those of you who've been in my corner in all of this, and, and really, everybody should be happy about Jason coming back. Um, <clears throat> thank you guys so much. It's actually meant way more to me than, than any of you can even understand. Well, and Seriously, it's, it's, been, it's been really nice. And I understand. Do you want to let it out of the bag that there may be some point you may be 
participating again at some I, point. I said that at the beginning. I, I said that at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be I'll be coming back for the season finale. I'll be here in episode exactly, ten with exactly. with Jason and David. So it's going to be fun. Um, but you know, I'm not going to be the, the the host of the show. That's a little bit of a different thing. So yeah. and I'm really appreciate just, that I, it's you, it's been nice. And I really appreciate that you uh, allowed me to be on with you for your uh, for your final episode. So much appreciated, Come on, man. This is great. You and I always have a great time. So yeah, we really let's do. move on. Let's move on. All right. Wendy Ott <laughs> Get all emotional wrote here. in and said, this season has been as incredible as it's been heartbreaking. Yep, yep, yep. We've become so invested in the characters this show has brought to life. Brandon Mira barely making it out, out alive, but costing us Summer and Hodor. Hodor's mm. entire story circle coming full circle. Wow. Such a beautifully satisfying scene between Jorah and Danny. And finally, just give into the feels, Brienne. Torment is your soulmate. <laughs> oh, yeah. The ginger love. The season has me counting the days to Sunday night. Hashtag hold the door. Uh, thanks, Wendy. Well said. Well said. Andrew Lee says, I really don't believe Arya is willing to give up on her old life and lose her. Oh, this is actually getting the emails here. I think. No, no, this is still Facebook. Excuse still me. Facebook, yeah. I really don't believe Arya is willing to give up her old life and lose her identity for the many-faced god. The way she was understandably repulsed at seeing the portrayal of her father beheaded and how she questioned Jacken over the women woman she is ordered to kill shows she is still an independent girl and may be using him more than she is he than use is using her. Excuse me. Intriguing to see how Sansa is operating now she has backing and looking forward to how this plays out. She was very powerful in shutting Littlefinger down. Yes she mm-hmm. was also interesting to see Varys, cool exterior shaken, and another red woman. Oh, it's all so good. I can't wait for next week. Hope you also return to the show soon, Mr. B. Nice. Thank you very Nice. Much. And Christy Birch wrote in and said, Hodor's eventual seizure-like trauma changed the course of history and led to him being able to save Bran and Mira. Though he was initially a low-born stable boy untrained to fight his size and strength would have encouraged the Starks to train him to be a valuable fighter asset against their enemies. Now, if this happened, he would have been off to war in the face of danger rather than carrying Bran across the North. So his trauma rendered him unable to do anything, but his duty, which is care for Bran. Well said, Christy. I like that. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Pake Allen writes in, wow, such a terrifically intense episode. Fuckity fuck, fuck, fuck. Not Hodor, fuck. <laughs> Wait, wrong podcast for that one. But really, those whites were so scary. Yeah, crawling <laughs> on the ceiling? Oh my god, no, it was the the the, the way they're handling the whites on this show is is brilliant. Really masterful, really masterful. Loved it, loved it, You know, after, you know, seeing, we, we see that the sort of zombie- in, in our culture. And I think after a while we become a little bit climatized to it, you know, they're sort of shaking it up and it makes it really spooky. Uh, Maya Suzuki says, I need to be held. I just need to be held. <laughs> <laughs> and our last one here is from Laura Willie Swink. Like all the Dothraki calls season six is on fire. Aya. Yet, <laughs> yet another episode where I want to rewatch it. The minute it is over. Something I thought we'd never see. Both Littlefinger 
and varies, looking 10 times less cocky than they've ever been. So much revelation. Just when we thought we'd learn about Jon Snow's parentage, instead, we find out the parents of the White Walkers, Mm -hmm. the children of the goddamn forest, (laughs) boom, and sweet, poor, loyal Willis hold the door. No other character has garnished so much love for one line of dialogue since I am Groot. Rest in peace, Willis. Loyal Summer. And Creepy Leaf. Creepy Leaf. You know, by the way, I got to say, we also got a loss of uh, one of the cooler looking White Walkers as well. Yeah. Was that the long haired? Uh, yeah. The long haired walker? The hippie? Uh, hippie yes, walker? the hippie walker. Now, we've only seen no, three people have taken out White Walkers in this series. Okay. Sam. Let's, let's cut them off. Well, Sam. Yeah. John. John. And now Mira. Now Mira. So it's it's a that's a tight that's a tight group. Gotta so it, and it looks like it was one of the one of the arrowheads that uh, Sam had so, given yeah. her. She put on the end of a spear. No, no, no. I don't think that was Sam. Did Sam give that? Yeah. Sam couldn't have given. Did gave, Sam give that to Mira? Yeah, when Sam and Gilly met up with them at the That's at that right. tower. You yes, 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 Sam yes, giving, yes, yes. Uh, three or four arrowheads to Mira. Well, there we go. Yeah, we saw one put to use. So it's all about that uh, dragonstone. It's all about the obsidian, man. Very powerful stuff. Good stuff. So now we're into the emails. Rem, take the first one here. Sure. Victoria Meyer wrote in and said, Dear Game of Microphones team, I couldn't sleep after I watched The Door. What an emotional episode. I'm still traumatized by it. First summer, then Hodor. My heart hurt so bad when I realized that Hodor's life was only meant for that moment. I guess now the theory about Bran and the butterfly effect has a point. Poor Hodor must have known it all the time. Oh, Bran has managed to learn everything from the Three-Eyed Raven in that little time that they had left to do their thing. It's kind of great that a weapon that the children created to defend themselves is now the enemy of everyone. Hope they can defeat. Hope they can defeat the Night's King. He's so creepy. And speaking of creepy, the new Red Woman is just a little frightening. Have you seen the look on Varys's face? <laughs> I was enjoying it because all the previous episodes, it seemed he couldn't be scared of anything. Ah, except when Tyrion was visiting the dragons. Sansa and Jon was great. Loved seeing them both together. One of my favorite moments when Arya watched the play about what happened in King's Landing. It was so sad for her to be reminded of that. But at least now that we know that she's still in there and she isn't just no one. Go Arya! Valor Margolis! Valor Doharis! Greetings from <laughs> Germany! Victoria. Danke, Victoria. Appreciate yes. that. Our next letter, uh, last email here, and <clears throat> I want to thank everybody who sent in emails. Again, we did have to cut things out due to time, so just letting that know. But from Stuart Kearns, wow, incredible episode, incredibly sad, true, but still incredible. So many cool origin stories, Hodor and the Night's King. Also, and you may not have caught this, but in the scene backstage after the play, they hinted at the backstory of a yet-to-be-introduced character, Hodong. Oh, no. Hodong. Love the podcast, Stuart. Now, is that true? I didn't catch that at all. Did you actually catch that at all? I caught the dong, but not the Hodong. Oh, really? So that it's true. Well, yeah, because there was the guy's wiener. Remember the wiener guy with the warp? Well, we saw his dick, but that was Joffrey. I didn't think. That I... was that was the actor playing Joffrey, right? Yes, but, I don't think there but, was actual Hodong. I think that's Stuart just having a little bit of a fun with us on this one. I but, think uh, uh, I think uh, the actual Hodor comes uh, much more equipped. 
That's right. We've have seen what he's packing. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> that leaves Joffrey's two warts, uh, Joffrey actors, two warts in the dust. So yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, now we did receive a number of voicemails. We actually got four different voicemails, but it's in five parts. And part of that is because one of our listeners got cut off. But um, we'll get to that in just a moment. So first one here is from Jason. I think that's a big question mark because I couldn't quite understand what you said from Orlando. So here we go. Now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this. So to you and I, I'm just, I don't have a nice board where you're going to be able to hear this. So I'm just going to have to play the voicemails from my phone into the. Sure. So, but I, I'm not sure which one's which now, because I have five open here. Um, wait, wait, I don't think that's it. Let me see. Oh, that's bread man. Okay. That's one of the ones that got cut off here. Let me see. I'm trying to find it. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Oh, that's Breadman again. Okay. So he's the one that got cut off. So that's this. I'm trying to figure out which is which here. Oh, that's Becky. Okay. I'm and now I'm finally sorting out which is which on my phone. They all came different order. Ah, here it is. Okay. So now I'll start recording here once I start playing this. And uh, we can comment while we're doing it because I'll link it up later. Hey guys, this is Drew from, from Orlando. Um, Maybe it's Drew. I actually got my hands on a leaked copy of uh, tonight's episode, so that's why I'm leaving this, uh, you know, message so early. Oh my God. Oh my God. Hold door <laughs> means hold the door. I can't believe that. Friggin' Brank actually can friggin' ward and actually friggin' affect the past. Which yeah. Is, man, I love time travel, and that's basically a time travel friggin' paradox causality loop. I don't know. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, I just can't believe that. And it just, I had my hand over my mouth watching Hodor get ripped in half while oh, we yeah. hear his younger self just say, hold the door as it transforms into Hodor. So the whole time, that's what he was saying. I can't believe that. And the the old aunt, the, 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 the children of the forest made, made the, the White Walkers, basically the to protect them from the first men when they were taking over their land in, in, that, in that war. I mean, that's awesome. So the, the monster they created basically overtook them. I can't believe it, man. I can, this this show is just so awesome. I just can't wait to see what the next episode brings. And then uh, Sansa standing up, you know, telling the little thing that he's either an idiot or, or an enemy. <laughs> and and just, just seeing all this stuff come through. Oh, my God, I can't wait. And I can't wait to listen to your podcast and, um, or tomorrow whenever. Yeah, probably Monday or Tuesday I'll listen to. I can't remember because I got too much game to talk in the brain. But anyway, <laughs> guys, can't wait to listen. Take care. Oh, right on, man. That's fantastic. Thank you. You got to love that. Uh... That dude is just really into it. He was really excited what for you show, shit, and, and I felt the same way after watching the episode. I just stared at the screen. And I thought, oh, crap. Christ. And how do I, how do I verbalize this? You know? And, and that's the feeling after these episodes, there's a feeling yeah. of overwhelm and I, I need a moment. I need a moment to process this, you know? No, I, I agree. Thank you so much. Uh, again, I'm not sure if it's drew or Jason or what that was. I'm sorry. It's hard to, hard to tell on that one. Uh, next one was pretty clear. Uh, next voicemail is from Becky from Savannah. Hey guys, it's Becky from Savannah. Um, 
That was just depressing. That whole show was just like a huge depression test. Um, first of all, the brunette woman that's with Tyrion and Barry now, I don't like her, and I don't like how she was talking to Barry, and I've grown to like him a lot, and you need to leave him alone because he has a thing with sorcery because of a whole incident that happened when he was a kid, and he needed not poke fun at him for that. Nice. And I didn't like the way she talked to him, and I don't like any of that at all. And I will now call her the brunette woman because I don't know what else to call her. I don't remember what her name was. But um, the whole Kim thing Bar. with the tree in the north and or beyond the wall, wherever they are, the whole time that was happening and the battle was going on, like I just was thinking, like this is just an un this is just unfair. Like <laughs> this poor girl's like trying to wake Bran up. She's got nothing and no one. That's Stupid old guy in the tree's not doing shit. He's just sitting there with his eyes rolled back in his head. Like I don't and, and I don't maybe you guys can explain this to me because as a non book reader, I don't understand the whole thing with like why does, does Brand control Hodor every time he goes into one of these little dream things that he goes with the Raven? I don't know how all that works and I don't know how like it's kind of like a mind fuck if you think about it, because, like, <laughs> he's in the dream thing, he sees Hodor, I think he starts, like, working into Hodor, I think, and maybe y'all can explain it better to me, while he's in a dream, and that gets Hodor to get up and move around and outside the world, and so that kind of links them together. So, young Hodor becomes, you know, mentally challenged Hodor because of an event that Bran forced on him in the future, but while they were in a dream about the past, the whole thing's just kind of like a big mind fuck, and it's hard, a little hard to wrap your brain around, and I don't exactly know how it works, so if y'all can explain that to me, I'd appreciate it, but... Nah. Oh, the whole thing, I swear to God, if this show kills one more goddamn dog, I'm probably off the show, I'm just done, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. <laughs> so, and Hodor was just sad, I mean, just depression, and I hope that Jamie next week just destroys the High Sparrow and that it just picks up yeah. the broken pieces of my heart that are scattered on the floor and stuff. So, hope you guys have a great week. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Uh, big hug for you, Becky. Well, thank you, Becky. Um, I, I don't think we're any good in terms of helping you out on trying to unpack this because it's really yeah. fucking confusing. I think she got it. I think she got it. Does, I, I, I think she pretty much got it that uh, that Bran was in the past, but was also able to warg into uh, young Willis. Because we see at one point he's in the past, and then you see present day. But I don't Hodor. think he. But I don't think he did. He didn't warg into young Hodor. That's the thing is he, he, he did warged into old Hodor. He did them both actually. Cause at the one point you see uh current day Hodor, you see his eyes go white for just a moment. That, yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but that was even before he, he got into a battle battle mode, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, deploy shields. shields exactly. Up. And so that is definite, but in the past he just ended up having a seizure event. So I don't know. I think Willis's eyes went white as well. Maybe he did. I believe I so. Know. I believe, I and I'm sure Jason will get lots of uh, email uh, determining whether or not we're right. But I'm pretty sure that young Willis, I think his eyes went white as well. Perhaps, perhaps. So I think I think Bran was actually remote hodoring <laughs> the future and past Willis slash Hodor at the same time. Maybe, 
maybe. I don't, I don't know. Sorry, I, I wish we could have been more help for you, Becky. But <laughs> as you heard, we are confused on this. Okay, so this next one is from The Bread Man. I think that's what he's going as. Again, these voicemails are hard to understand. Um, and this is the one where his call does get cut off. So you'll hear it cut off, and then it's going to start again. So let's take it from here at the beginning. Hey, Game of Microphones. This is The Bread Man. What a fucking episode this was. <laughs> Season 6, Episode 5, The Door. Oh, my God. It was beyond what I could imagine. But I just wanted to call and uh, give you my quick uh, top five. Uh, my number five, I had Santa confronts Littlefinger and sends him away, which I, I was very happy to see. But it makes me, after talking with John, it makes me wonder, is she going to possibly need him and his troops? It's a, it's a possibility. I'm hoping she doesn't need to resort to that, but you never do know. Uh, my number four, Danny sending Jordan to find a cure and marching out with the Dothraki army. I, I can't wait to see if uh, Jorah is able to find a cure. Uh, it, we've seen that it happened with Shireen, that there is a cure. Hopefully he'll be able to find it, and I'm sure I think he's in the right part of the world to be able to find something like that. And uh, I'm also curious to see how Danny's going to react uh, when she gets back to Marine. Uh, with what Tyrion has done with uh, his deal with the Masters and now his deal with the uh, Red Priestess. I'm hoping uh, hoping that all works out for her. Um, my number three was learning about the origin of the White Walkers. Yeah, I, I never expected that it was the Children of the Forest that began the whole, the whole process and pretty much began the whole war and to do it to save them from the humans, which is understandable, but now it's kind of like they unleashed a monster that they can't control, and because uh, obviously they they themselves were being attacked at the at the end there, and uh, you know it's a uh, really a really a scary prospect that, and even there even the ones that created these White Walkers can't even control them, so can anything. Um, my number two was uh, Euron being declared Lord of the Iron Islands while Yara and Theon capitalize on his brilliant idea to send sh- to take the, the Navy over to uh, find Daenerys. Perhaps. I, I thought that was really brilliant of Yara and Theon to do that. I, I, I hope that's what they're doing is uh, taking, those, taking their ships to go find the Dragon Queen and win back Westeros. And uh, so I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen with that, and if Euron's going to be able to build his navy in time to catch up with them or stop them. And uh, so that whole that whole scene's going to be interesting. But my number one was without a doubt the whole the whole Hodor story. Hodor. The, Hodor. It was just it was very sad. It was very intense, and Hodor is just super brave. Hodor. In my eyes, it, it, it literally brought me to tears. Um, to think he had one purpose in life. To, to oh, and that's where he got cut off. So, hey, this is the bread man again. I got cut off. I didn't realize that I had the time limit, so I apologize. But uh, I just wanted to finish no uh, talking about the whole Hodor scene at the end there. Um, I, I've got a few questions. Hopefully, maybe you guys will bring it up or can talk about it uh <laughs> my first question is uh how was the during the during the vision how was the knights king able to see bran while while he while he was warging that i that, i thought that was uh that was very interesting that he was the one the that wizard did it. And, 
and was able to touch them and brand them. I didn't, that, that was just, that was super, super scary. And, you know, it's just not, not what I expected. And then to see that army when they went outside right there, it's, it was just amazing. It was just intense. Uh, also, will Brandon Mirror get to safety? You know, in that sense, uh, Hodor is, uh, gave his life to protect them. And, you know, that, that's pretty much what his whole purpose in life has been. And uh, also, now that Brand's Wolf and Hodor are both dead, both beings that he's been able to war into, will Brand still be able to war against them as zombies, or is that connection lost? Or you know, uh, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I, I look forward to hearing the hearing the show tomorrow, and uh, I wish I wish you luck, and thank you very much for your time. Bye bye. Well, thank you very much, Breadman. Um, wow, mm-hmm. working into a, a zombie Hodor? That's a different idea. It is a different idea. I, I do not know how I feel about that. Hmm. But um, interesting idea. We'll find out. He could okay. use them. He could use the zombie Hodor to destroy other members of the zombie army. Hmm. I like that. It's an interesting idea. I like it. And then we have the last one here. It's from Kate in L.A. Hey guys, it's Kate in Los Angeles again. So, oh, Hodor. (laughs) As Mira said, hold the door. I went full Culkin, hands on my face, and said, hold the door. (laughs) I knew what was about to happen, and I was still not emotionally prepared for it. And just to see that Willis's condition had a purpose, to see him fulfill that purpose for the fulfillment of that purpose to be an ultimate sacrifice for the greater good. It just plucks all of the mythological heartstrings. Ugh, well done, boys. Meanwhile, uh, damn it, guys, stop killing dire wolves. Oh, <laughs> death. Oh. And it makes me think that Shaggy Dog really was Shaggy Dog as much as I didn't want to believe it because they are just winnowing away the wolves and it's uh, so I heard speculation that maybe Mira is going to take Bran to her home now and maybe meet up with John and Sansa there on their Northern Loyalty Roundup tour, and maybe that's when Howland Reed will be all, hey, guys, while you're here, funny story about who Jon Snow's mother is. By the way, Last point. Are we actually being ridiculous about getting worked up over who's going to inherit the Iron Throne? Because based on that episode, I'm wondering if this story may just end with the entire civilization being wiped out by an army of the undead. And uh, hmm. and maybe the dragons will swoop through and barbecue the White Walkers and then go off to live in peace and never be heard from again. And it will just be a story that ends with everyone dead. I wouldn't put it past George Martin <laughs> to do that. The I hope not, because all this speculation is super fun. So your show. Thanks for keeping up the good work. Bye. Oh, thank you, Kate. You know, I'm I'm beginning to think Kate is like my spirit animal. <laughs> I, grew, I grew up in the LA area, so I don't know. Maybe there, there's something there. But um, thank you all so much for all of those wonderful voicemails. There, there's a lot of great great things being thrown around in there and shit that I most certainly didn't think about. And I love it. And it's got my little wheels turning and they are little wheels. So, uh, I appreciate that very much. So thank you all. 
Oh, man, we are coming to the end of this extraordinarily long episode, I gotta say. Rem, what do you have for us for next week? Well, I think we're going to be getting something definitely Danny-centric next week on Game of Thrones. It's season six, episode six, and it's going to be called Blood of My Blood, written by David Benioff, directed by Jack Bender. And the the synopsis now, I want to get your intake uh, input here. Synopsis Mm -hmm. says, an old foe comes back into the picture. Gilly meets Sam's family. Arya oh, faces a difficult choice, and Jamie faces off against the High Sparrow. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, question: Who's the old foe? I don't know. Could it be one Sandor Clegane? Oh my God! I hope Wouldn't so. Wouldn't that be um, great? I feel it's still a little too early for that, but it is possible. Who else could be an old foe? Oh, uh, I don't know. We'll have to think I, about I that. Really, we'll really don't know. That. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about this. Sam uh, Gilly gets to meet Sam's family. I know who it is. It's Gendry, and he's pissed. Uh, <laughs> they finally <laughs> found guys, land. You guys put a leech on my dick, you bastards! Davos, I'm gonna kill you, you all. Oh, wait, but bastard. Uh, Stannis is dead though, so that's kind of all taken care. Of. Well, thank you very much. I don't know what any of that means. Uh, vague as always. I love those next week on Game of Thrones because they mean basically nothing. Yep. Uh, the The trailer looks good. I cannot wait. I, I'm I'm just of the opinion that who knows, even what we see, it's not really a clue to what it's really going to be. So, mystery. And that's the way to be. I think so, especially with this show. But on this show, I got to ask, you ready to close this out? Let's do it, man. Oh, my God. Thank you. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 813-563-3739. That's 813-JOFFREY. Minus the warts. And if you'd like to write in, you can... (laughs) I had to get that in there. If you'd like to write in, you can email us at game at podcastica.com. Yeah, and and by all means, make sure uh, you check out all of the podcasts at the in the Podcastica network uh, under the comic covers. Of course, I got to make my pitch for my podcast, the Sci Fi Movie Podcast. Well, thank you, with Ram, and some other ones. But definitely check those out, and also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gom podcast, or just type in Game of Microphones. It comes up. I, I think the thing that I really take away from this is Odor. Oh, Odor, Odor, Odor. So, yeah, check out uh, podcastica.com, Hodor, and facebook.com, Hodor. <laughs> and join us next week for Game of Thrones Season 6, Episode 6, with Jason, Jenny, and Doug. Now, uh, I do need to give a little forewarning. Jason will be at Walker Stalker Con in Chicago, so he may be a little late in getting this out, so it may not drop until uh, Wednesday, but he is going to try to get it out on Tuesday. But until then, that's our show. Thanks for listening. And I've got to say my last final thing, thank you all for sharing the last five episodes with me as well as what we did on last season. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you all so much for listening. And I will see you in the, the season finale. So take care, everybody. Odor. <laughs> Odor. <laughs>
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.